when your gam is about to be replaced with iTunes gift cards. It's That's So MLS. With myself, Nick Thornton. With me, as always, is Andrew Bates. Ah, oh, Nick, how are you? I am doing great. This, of course, is a North American soccer podcast. Welcome to the show. Andrew, my friend, it's good to hear your voice again. Although uh, a country divides us, it was nice to also see your face briefly. It was nice to see your face. I, I like, sometimes when I come for the trips, I like getting to to, to record an episode with you. Um, but I also thought that this was a nice experience to just, like, hang out and go to a game that did not have to do uh, the it stuff. Was. And now it you was... can talk here. Exactly. No, it was very uh, in the chill soccer theme of, like, yeah, I, there is always the added pressure of you, apart from being here for always, you know, a, a short window of time, having to see lots of people and do lots of things, and then also squeeze in a show. Um, well, not is, also. It, not also well, squeeze no, no, in a no. show. I like, I enjoy the, the time. I'm not sure. <laughs> this is coming out all wrong. No, but you know, like, it, it's a lot. It's a lot crammed in there, and it was nice mm-hmm. to not necessarily have the pressure of that. Just like you say, go to a game and hang out. That's back true. to where it all started. It was a good show. Back in back in BC Place for what was only the first time that weekend. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> there, we'll we'll get the to only time to, that to, weekend. We'll get to some of that uh, debacle in a moment. Um, so yeah, I, yeah last sorry. we talked to people was before uh, World Cup break. Obviously, the international break, and yeah. so there's been a bit of MLS action. There's been. Lots of um, World Cup action and some inaction, you could say. Some job action, perhaps, is a better phrase. Would you Um, like to hear... Sorry. And just a whole lot of other stuff going on. So I'm kind of like, where do we even want to begin here in unwrapping? I think I I have an idea. Um, It is, I think, one of the the news items that is going to shape this, how we experience MLS um, more than, than... in maybe and everything since any non-expansion news item since like the uh, the Adidas deal, mm-hmm. I think, and that would be the announcement that over ten years Apple will uh, pay MLS a minimum of two point five a billion dollars um, to carry uh, every MLS match on a, on a on it says it's on Apple TV, but I think that. Um, we should, it's best to think of it as its own streaming offering. It will have its own streaming. Yeah. At first I was a little bit more hyped up about it because I thought like, oh, if I have Apple TV, then I will see all the MLS matches. But it's more of like the, you know, the stars add on to Crave or whatever, where it's like, oh no, that for a extra something, something, you get the rest of the stuff, which is like fine, but and I thought almost for a it second... It does mean that, subscribing to two things, I believe. And I almost thought for a second that it was going to be like like One Soccer, almost, except that One Soccer, you know, Media Pro produces the games for One Soccer. Like, like the MLS is also the one... Like, mm, MLS is the one... You'd, you'd think somewhat with, with some of the news items that have come out around this deal, around mm-hmm. some of the changes that will be made... That uh, that Apple is going to have a, a, a large hand in bringing their sort of like production sheen to it. Then, well, MLS is producing the matches. Um, it should be. I think there is a lot of, that can be positive and a lot. Um, uh, certainly, the thing that I think that you mentioned immediately is that working through TSN 
um, on the streaming side has been a little bit of a nightmare. Well, and then just to like really sort of lob the ball to us at the beginning of the show, um, apparently ESPN dropped one of the MLS games this afternoon, like in the middle of a broadcast. And I think, I think it might've been the Portland game, um, LA, LA Portland, which still has like 20 minutes to go, but apparently it just blanked out across <laughs> ESPN <laughs> networks. So yeah, I mean, there's obviously like huge mega deals like this always generally mean like somebody in a local market, probably lots of people are going to be out of jobs. Um, That's a big or, concern. Or, or possibly, right? Like it brings a lot of questions to a lot of people's futures, and that's a very real part of it. But in terms of like a product, I mean, MLS has been incredibly difficult to grow, I think, because of all of the media blackout, you know, region problems um, and, and just getting quality streams. I mean, there's a lot of things that could certainly be better. And for a league that's been touting itself as this up-and-coming, you know, world standard of leagues, you know, frankly, the broadcast level has been pretty embarrassing. And, of course, my uh, TSN grievances are well-documented here on the show, (laughs) so I don't need to go into that. But, like, as of right now, I don't subscribe to anything in terms of watching MLS because all of them, I feel like, charge you a premium price for a really cut-rate product that, like, any pirated stream will be as good as. Of course, I'm not endorsing pirating anything. I'm just saying that as a comparison. For the North American soccer fan, I think that one of the big things that came up is the continual um, challenge of um, of what's going to happen with DAZN. Um, because DAZN lost the rights to the English Premier League to Fubo. Um, and they also... You know, I I know I think that it's like, you know, you have to be of a of a particular perspective to there's there's some things that you have to be a, of a particular perspective to want. I think in Canada to want DAZN for um, just the out of market games is you know maybe a niche offering, um, but sure. That, thankfully, I have the sort of you know broken <laughs> broken brain that likes that, um, but. You know, I think a lot of people are. That's going to be an expensive. Um, per, that's going to be an expensive subscription to people. It's now down to basically just the Champions League. Yeah, and uh, and and maybe the Championship. I'm not sure exactly what they have there, but like that's going to be that's going to be an issue for them in terms of losing the 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 rest of MLS Live. Um, yeah, which used to be its own streaming service. Like the MLS used to. Um, that's right have its own streaming service that was an yeah, overtop yeah, yeah. service that um that uh in Canada you just had the the regional blackouts where all the Canadian games were blacked out and then um in basically they got the big deal from ESPN on their last you know rights deal that that brought all the games to ESPN3 and they have always branded the they've always branded the the zone the zone Canada wing of the service MLS live. So it's like the, it's the rest of MLS live. Um, yeah. I don't know whether or not there, the MLS live branding has been absent from this, the, from this new venture. So no, no way of, of, if that is happening, uh, no way to be sure if that is happening. One mm-hmm. of the big concerns, um, is also 
Um, you mentioned local broadcasters. Um, I think that while, um, well, I think Vancouver Whitecaps fans have had some problems with uh, TSN in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, Blake Price has been okay. I hated, I not hated him at first, but I thought the decision to drop Peter Shad was awful. And, yeah. Um, I and I thought yeah, Blake, that, Blake's grown, grown on me a little bit. Not not a ton, but. It wasn't his fault, but at the time that he came over, it was just like, like from what he offered versus what the familiarity that and and experience that Shot offered, it seemed like, like totally weak tea. But I wouldn't think that he's absolutely done his best, and 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 like you said, I've grown on him a little bit. Um, but the rest of the broadcast has been, you know. You know, pretty pretty subpar. Pretty subpar, like 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 you know, in terms of having local people talk about the white or like like white caps oriented people talk about the white caps. If so, it'll be interesting to see who they get and 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 who shifts from the various networks. If if certain people, you know, if if certain networks are losing games or not not having access to games, um, I think you know the number one thing. You know, I have seen people be like, if this means that we lose Dave Johnson for DC United, we're going to riot. Um, the DC have said that Dave Johnson will continue in some way. Uh, MLS has said no local broadcasts. Um, I would think, and I mean, like Dave Johnson, I don't know if he can easily move from his current position to to take a contract with Apple. Not everybody can do that. Um, it would... It would seem to be total madness to you do this in a way that that turfs popular MLS voices in favor of a new cast of people. You should stick to a certain extent. If if there is you know a, a great connection with the fan base, they should really look at at keeping them around. And especially because um, this is the other sort of thing that I think is really going to change things around here um they have said that all games will be on wednesday night or saturday night that's it right 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 there will be no saturday day games there will be no saturday 3 p.m kickoffs there will be no now the the one thing that they when they say night it's like so does that mean all mls will that be night local time will that be night like so can you, can you it's always a, night somewhere <laughs> can you have a can, can you narrow it down can you, a little bit can you have a, a vancouver dark, only after 12 p.m can you have a vancouver 3 p.m or 4 p.m tick kickoff on the basis that it it kind of counts as 6 p.m 7 p.m on the west coast like like how will i assume that doesn't mean that all matches are going to kick off in the same time slot each week but i know that i've seen concerns about that as well in terms of like um are you going to, um, are you, or is, you know, the idea there, it, there has long been this idea that you can sort of, you know, roll in at, um, at 1 PM Eastern or, you know, 11 AM Pacific or whenever. And, and, and sort of watching it Saturday afternoon of MLS all day, if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and I don't know if it's going to be, um, I don't know if there's going to be sort of an impact of not having that if they if they if they choose to to do it all at one place. But I especially think if you're doing it all, if you're saying we're going to air every game, 
and basically all the games have to take place at the same time. Um, it would befuddle me to do anything other than having regional teams that you can, that, that you can, you know, that are familiar with a market and that you can use. So there is not overlap. Yeah. I mean, I wish I was as optimistic. (laughs) I get like, I agree. I agree that it would make sense to do that, but um, it just doesn't seem to be the way that these things have played out when they're, especially in sports broadcasting. Now, that being said, like if there's a company to think differently about this, perhaps Apple might go a different way. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the, the strength of, I think, growing a product is is being able to contextualize the teams. But I, I think that, like, I don't know necessarily enough about, like, what their goal for building this is. Like, what, what are their their goals what are their key performance indicators in all of this (laughs) right what does success look like because if like i think if they're wanting to steadily grow things then you definitely need that regional talent and people who understand and can contextualize teams but if your plan is just to push it everywhere across all platforms and just go for sheer volume then i I don't know that there will be that level of nuance or if they're just going to put like the apple branding and marketing machine behind you know some other product but I hope it'll, be Apple... inter- it'll be interesting to see what what direction they take with it i i think that it like anything it presents certain opportunities but also there could be some real talent lost in uh the new direction of this the marketing can be really good i mean apple has a big marketing machine and they're they're uh they're willing to use it i hope that you know, one of my biggest complaints about everything when it comes to marketing and, and, and merchandise in this league is how samey it is with everything. The fact that we have these um, these eco-friendly jerseys that are the same color for every team. So you yeah. tune into one of these, some of these games that have, first of all, one of them, you just can't, the one that's like a white jersey with like peach lettering, you can't yeah. see shit. You, no. it, it could be any team. And, like, the idea of tuning into multiple of these broadcasts and seeing multiple of these identical jerseys. Like, I hope, I just hope that there is a little concern, like you say, this is how it's gone before, that everything is going to end it up just a becomes bit more It becomes like a pan MLS project rather than building it off of, like, what makes it so great is there is so much difference. You have all of these different teams with all of these different identities all trying to play you know, sort of different styles and of course representing very different cities. Like that's, that's the excitement of it. But when I think to like how MLS clubs usually go about it and their rebranding, it does go that samey, like, well, how do we do what everybody else is doing and like, quote unquote, stay modern. And then what invariably happens is you lose all of the uniqueness it sounds like the business model is mostly like we just need to make this way fucking easier for people to watch if we're ever going to grow. Because yes. if you're trying to get somebody into MLS and somebody's like, great, well, like when's the game? And you're like, well, this week it's Thursday at 4 p.m. Um, and then next Saturday it will be happening at 7 p.m. Like it's a bit all over the place. And of course the fact that you can never just go to one place to watch any given matches. And I think, 
obviously a huge core support of MLS is based on just one team. But I think there are a lot of us that are will like I I this product is geared at somebody like me that cares about what else is going on in the league, and I'd like to easily be able to switch over to an Eastern Conference team. <laughs> Yes. While my team is playing or right after and just watch the game. And ultimately, uh, I think that that creates, um, and we've talked, this is this is part of the, the DNA of this podcast, is the idea that, that, that non-protagonist coverage can sometimes be good. That's definitely not something TSN offers um, in, in a usable way. The, the idea that they... Interest will grow in this league if you think of this league as a scene as opposed to something that your particular club that you're interested in uh, takes part in. Because certainly part of the discussion around all this is the way that the money does not necessarily match up with the reality of, of what has always happened with MLS and ratings. Mm-hmm. There are There is some attention for big games, but I just think that, like you, I think that it would... It would only benefit if people were interested. If, if people were made to be interested in 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 seeing things as a picture and, and with the playoff format, that makes so much sense to me because you will have to know about everybody at some point. By the time you get to the, you know, it's it's good to have that knowledge once you once you get into the playoff, you know, swing of things. It's just the idea of that'll be the thing. Is what is Apple buying in terms of, you know, being able to convert what for MLS the biggest challenge has always been, like a great match day experience and a great way to like form and build community, um, to, um, to do a, a television product that that people who don't go to games either because they don't live in town or or you know they can't get tickets or whatever. For whatever reason, like like how how does how can this build that aspect? I think that's a that's a level of opportunity that that I think that Apple will be able to help with. But I think that's definitely like the big question. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, as we said, like along with that, who who's who's selling that product? Who's who's the face and the voice of it? Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see, but it will definitely, I think. Um, like there's going to continue to be a lot of question marks over it. Although, you know, this kicks in next year. So we probably, we don't have too long to wait to find out uh, more details and see what happens with it all. So they, they're, so I, I said $250 million a year, but um, that's just like the, the license fee, I guess. Um, they're going to each take a, um, a stake of subscription revenues. So if the sub revenues are good, that 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 dollar figure grows up. Um, right. The uh, the other the other thing I found in this the the small print is unfortunately an MLS team will have to take on Ted Lasso as a coach. <laughs> well, I can think of a few. I can think of a few teams that could probably do with the support. Uh, yeah, there's uh, there's so York... many good there's so many good crossover jokes to be had though uh, in this happy new union of um, superpowers. They did. They, that's the one thing when you talk about soccer marketing, they 
are the one, you know, media entity to make a soccer product, like not, not just a soccer product, but an American soccer product, truly mainstream. It's true. Yeah, like, I, I mean, I'm not connecting strings on uh, bristle, or cork boards right now about this, but like, that's good timing to have the <laughs> last season of Ted Lasso premiering right as you're bringing MLS on board. And yeah, it feels like there's momentum in the right direction. I think there's still a lot of ways that this could go uh, a little bit pear-shaped. Or apple shaped, I guess. Um, <laughs> but it is. I mean, I think one of the th- the big complaints from sort of like the average person, and I would somewhat include myself in in that, is that it's it's just so difficult to even understand the fragmented landscape of things that when some of these things come together and it becomes easier to watch then that's when you're like, okay, well, yeah, like I'll subscribe to something that actually has lots of stuff on it um, and a good product. But, of course, like what led me (laughs) into despair is continuing to subscribe to things that only delivered a kind of crappy version of half of what I thought I was getting um, (laughs) or half of what it could be. And so... It, it just becomes more complicated than it's really worth. Because I'm like, well, at the end of the day, MLSsoccer.com does a, as good of a job of packaging highlights and helping me understand what happened as trying to just log into TSN on a weekend, hope they have an out-of-market game on their schedule, be able to watch, you know, the equivalent of 60% of a Whitecaps game after all of the streaming problems are sorted. Like, it's... It's not, it's it's, not ideal. It's not ideal. It's not a great a great experience. And so if they can just improve the access and, and quality of things, I think that will go a long way. So I was uh, I came to, as noted in the intro, I was uh, briefly in Vancouver and uh, visiting your wonderful self and, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. En- enjoying the confines of, of BC Place. Um, I did not know that I was flying into an international incident. As it comes to the Canadian men's national team. God. So (laughs) many things happened in such a short span of time. And so many things didn't happen as well. Okay, so let's me, let me try to, let me try to, um, to, to do the timeline here. Is that, you know, this game is announced. Um, it sells relatively well. Like there's. Wait, wait a second. This game being the Iran Canada game or this game being. (laughs) Canada versus Iran is announced. Um, The, uh, along with a Nations League game against, that, that was on, um, June the 15th, if I remember, uh, no, June the 5th, yes, June the 5th, with, um, a Curacao game, uh, in the Nations League on the 9th, and an away game in Honduras on, um, that, ha- that happened this week. Um, so, that game sells relatively well. I would say that there's sort of... I would. This is this is all I thought we were going to talk about was the was the challenge of of this this story as it broke out into the mainstream with the Iran game, which was that um, families uh, of people who died in the the uh, plane crash in January 2020 that has been uh, ascribed to Iran are were mm-hmm. were upset with the idea of having that game, um, basically calling it sports washing. 
um, the, the the government. I think that I totally understand where that argument comes from, and I su- had supported that same thing in terms of like not allowing the participation of of Russia and stuff. Um, I would call it a definitely the, the, the and one thing that I encountered a lot was people who, in, in a non soccer perspective, was people saying like, "I can't believe someone thought this was a good idea," and I think it was just yeah. FIFA brained in terms of like, well. These people, FIFA decided this was okay to invite this country to every, you know, to to, to all their things. So we decided it was fine. That's it's normal to see them in inter- international competitions, and it's normal to see them in, you know, um, in Olympics. And it is they have qualified for the World Cup. They were a good team, um, mm-hmm. and of course there are many um, Iranian football fans around the world, including in Canada, in, in Canada, who you know are great and deserve to support their team. Many fans of both genders also who, who deserve to support their team. Um, the, so it, I couldn't understand kind of both sides of the idea of that. You did it. You just did it because you didn't think it was weird. Um, but to everybody else, it seems weird, but it, it was, a, it was such a strange story to me in terms of really like, um, a really internal issue to soccer kind of like in terms of like world cup, like some of the mechanics of it. Cause I talked to somebody that was like, you know, um, cause part of the issue is that can't, that Vancouver has been announced as one of the host cities for the 2026 world cup. And it's like, well, what if Iran gets drawn to that? And it's like, um, well, maybe like, uh, I, I talked to somebody who said, Oh, well, if they were, if it was the Olympics, it would be different for some reason. The idea that this was a, a exhibition game, a friendly game, a voluntary game that we went out and and read and and booked these people for the game and like it was made it was made attention out of that we were paying Iran three hundred thousand dollars or something and it's like yeah well that would be normal you know but it was sort of brought out as like a like a big surprise yeah I I mean I I frankly like trying to dissect like all the the different politics of it like does my <laughs> brain in a little bit because it, it just for me it seems like it's really easy to get into like slippery slope arguments about like well which countries that should then be allowed to participate and in which competitions like is it as you say like is an exhibition match okay but if it's a fifa match it's <laughs> it it's not okay like how how does one begin to unpack all of those things but i i I certainly think that, like, yeah, there's, like, a soccer-brained mentality that's just, like, there is no larger context. Teams just, like, this is how it functions without thinking about, are there any other implications to this match? Have we thought through everything? Have we really thought through this? Anybody with any notes or questions about this? Like, that's the part that I was kind of the most surprised about. But, and then... I totally I think support there's the... also some opportunistic like bandwagoning on like it's an opportunity for the prime minister to get on TV and and say a thing and appear was... like there's there's leadership when you're like well okay but like if if we're going to do that then can, let's talk about Canadians supplying weapons to various countries like yeah again like where you choose to stand in terms of your moral high ground it's like well 
I I don't know, man. <laughs> here's 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 where I put it. I wholeheartedly support the efforts of the families in this thing. That was a that yes. was a campaign that they did. They were. Um, I totally understand where they're coming from, and I think that it that it worked, and and I'm 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 for it. It was just it went from from Justin Trudeau saying I don't really think that was a good idea to. You know, in the middle of once once there was discussion, Canada Soccer eventually canceled it on their own accord. Um, there was discussion while people were debating this. You know, the Ukrainian ambassador to Canada said the Ukrainian national team is ready to come in and play this match on a day where they had a fixture booked. <laughs> yeah. And so, like everybody is retweeting that person, being like, "Yeah, why didn't we have booked the Ukraine in the first place? Yeah, because they're booked." I call it the Elon Muskification of communication, <laughs> where it's like, let's just say the most outlandish thing we can and ignore all context just to rile some, rile anything up and get people talking. Just because. It's fun, fun to create a little mess, isn't it? Um, so that happened. The fun part is, that's and that's all the, the, the simplest thing that happened about everything <laughs> that week. That was the easy part. Um. So I went, I got, you know, all this, I was getting ready to go to Vancouver. So I had initially planned to hang out with my family on the Friday and then see the game on Sunday. It's got canceled. We shipped those planes to Sunday. I packed my bag. I was on Flair Airlines. I couldn't have a huge bag because I wasn't going to pay for their ridiculous, the, 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 the high cost of having a carry-on item that you put in the overhead bin. Um, so I was thinking like, well, I'm not going to take my jer- like a, jer- a jersey and scarf if there's not going to be a game. And I didn't. I, I I I left it at home. I didn't really know. Like I made other plans, and then on Tuesday they announced, okay, well we booked Panama. Um, the uh, on Wednesday they sold the tickets for it. I arranged, okay, well I don't want to cancel my family stuff, so. I got my whole family tickets to the game. My mom and my mom's husband and my cousin, we all booked to go to this game. Um, Didn't know that detail. Yeah, and I I got them all on board. And so on Friday it comes out that that training was interrupted. Um, We hear from the timeline involved that the offer... Or the, the the training of the Canadian men's national team, um, it seems that the new agreement for how players are going to be um, contemplated, um, compensated or compensated, yes, and specifically how the FIFA bonus is going to be allocated for qualifying for the World Cup, um, mm-hmm. that they did not like the offer that they received. Now I'm going to say that it was received on Thursday, so they booked this they booked this game on Tuesday, gave the agreement to the players on Thursday and then it all blew up where you know that's when they say that they met with Canadian soccer, Canada soccer president Nick Bontis for the first time um, there was some concern at that point but I don't even think that at that point people were like oh this game is not going to happen I went to go to brunch on Sunday and then I got out of brunch and I looked and I saw the game was cancelled and I was like <laughs> Uh, I laughed. I laughed so I couldn't cry because, honestly, it felt in a way that this game never happened. It was never on. It was never going to happen anyway. There was that weird feeling about it. I don't know if it's just like a hindsight thing, but it just there was something about the like, 
It's like, all right, no, backup plan. It, we're going to make it happen. The, and I know that, like, the people... There's lots of different actors in it, but it just was sort of like a the game that was never going to be. Um, so Canada, in the end, played neither Iran or Panama. However, Can- games were played. Canada soccer... I just want to talk a little more about the, the nature of this, this labor Yeah, history. of course. Canada soccer um, basically put out a statement saying that, you know, that they wanted to have... Um, that they wanted to have pay equity, and that's what they were trying to achieve. Um, the statements from all the teams now, and and this has been a hard one for people to figure out because, like, how exactly they feel about it. Because, um, you know, everybody has different. Canada Soccer says that they need they can't accept an unsustainable deal in terms of of, of where the money goes. Um, players want their fair share, and players have had to put up with a lot over the course. The the men's players have to put up a lot. Um, the women's players deserve pay equity, and as noted by the women's players in their press release, um, the men's team said that we want, you know, an equal percentage of bonuses and we want equal match fees. Um, and the women's players noted that, that a equal percentage is not pay equity. Because, obviously, the, the, the FIFA women's bonuses are much less than the FIFA men's bonuses. Um, right. So, like the, the it's true that that what the men's what the men's players are asking for is a little bit off of what will be a reasonable um, solution to make. But I think that like where I sit with it is that like the women's team said that they started negotiating in January. The men's team says they they say they started negotiating in March. The men's team also said. That there were multiple executive vacations that delayed things. I simply think that this was too late in the process for Canada Soccer to have left this critical piece of information. Yeah, and I don't want to like project too much onto it, but at the same time, it feels like a pretty classic like executive stalling tactic to like negotiate by just being completely unavailable till the eleventh hour, and then being like, "All right, here's the agreement. So we all good here." Like, I was like, that, yeah. that just happens too much in the world for me to not think that that was exactly what happened here. People um, have noted that Nick Bontis is a is a management consultant who has appeared at, at what has been called union busting conferences by Mother John writers. Mm, um, and he certainly gave a very unhinged press conference at that time, you know. Oh, God, I totally forgot about the press conference. Waving his hands in the air. Like, I, have... I wasn't, I wasn't going to tune in because, frankly, I stopped caring, like, so early on into all of this mess. Um, but, like, I just was, like, I, I obviously saw people sort of talking about it. So I was like, well, what? I, I bite. I'll watch a little bit of it. And I was just gobsmacked. Like, I sat there with my mouth open watching the entire thing, just being like, what is happening right now? It's so aggressive. It was so aggressive. It was so, like... Like, I am the only one who's being the savior of the situation. I have a responsibility to the fiduciary and economic health of this organization. That's not where fiduciary goes in this sentence. It's just, like, the I, number one way to, like, ensure people to trust you and stay calm is by yelling at them and explaining something loudly. Yeah. 
It sucks. In it, really vague and general terms and refusing to take any responsibility for anything. Always a, and, this, and then shouting some more and then waving your arms just to really emphasize your point. I was like, this feels like it's directed by Dwight Schrute. It is a, I think the number one thing, and he, they said as much in the press conference, you know, they said that we had Peter Montagliani leave. We had, uh, or sorry, we had Vic Montagliani leave. We had um, the the general secretary leave. We're a small organization that, frankly, it's amazing that we get as much done as we do. They're not ready for this. They haven't been ready for this since before the women's team won the gold medal last year. They have yep. not been ready to take advantage of that. They have not been ready to take advantage of um, the game, the Edmonton game in Mexico, as influenced by the fact that Edmonton is out of twenty twenty six. They have and, not. And been... what what does managerial incompetence do when it's found out for its incompetence? Holds a meeting and blames <laughs> everybody else. I'm just saying, it tracks. It just tracks. You can't get. They weren't ready to take advantage of that jersey being named a GQ, which you can't buy. Like, there's yeah. nothing. There is. There is just no part of the the rise of these two teams. It is in terms of what they. Man, if were, I could find a Canada soccer jersey, I would burn it in protest. <laughs> oh, I'm old enough to remember when there was. You know, God, I shouldn't have said that. I feel like I dated <laughs> myself just by saying that. I remember back in like 2000 and. Nine, two thousand ten, when people were like, uh, "This was when they had the blue jersey, like the blue centenary jerseys, where they were people mm-hmm. were like, um, you should actually not wear Canada soccer, any Canada soccer merchandise at all, but to protest the terrible management." And it, and in some ways, it changed since then, but also in some ways, it hasn't. Like in some some ways, some of the the same people have been involved, and yeah. As this has been also an opportunity, and, and I think a good one to finally put some heat on the organization for um, its compl- its complicity and in, in direct involvement in the Bob Berarda situation, which it has mostly skated on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the pressure is obviously on, and the spotlight is on them, and and just that that press conference to me just spoke volumes of what the players have been up against is, is just complete and utter like where it's not incompetence, it's willful negligence and, and just completely misunderstanding the situation that they're in. Um, Speaking of Bob, if I might, um, Mm -hmm. the former Vancouver Whitecaps women's coach and former Canadian uh, under 21 women's coach, uh, who pleaded guilty to four uh, to four of the ten counts of uh, or ten sex related charges that he faced uh, faced uh, pleaded guilty to three counts of sex assault and a count of sexual touching um, had uh, day one of his sentencing last week and is now the second date is set for September second so that's coming that's coming that's that case is continuing to wind its uh, way through the the system yep. You mentioned that there uh, that there were after all of this, there were games played, and you know what? I did not. You you watched the Curacao game. I did not. <laughs> I was just so burnt out. I was. That's, that's fair. You did you you did your level best to a, to to be there and to watch a thing, 
and and certainly also like i you know i i feel for all of the people who tried to to watch various iterations of these games and spent a lot of time and money trying to do so like i i get it um so canada played curacao um and and i think that you know it clearly was like a look we got to make something fucking happen here like we got to we got to put on a game and put on a show uh, they put Alfonso Davies up top, playing in Vancouver in a hometown return. Um, it, it really felt like this was, you know, very much a, a good old-fashioned exhibition of just put your stars out and have fun with it. Um, it was 4 nothing in the end, so not a, a super competitive match. Um, the opening, there was an opening penalty call that I thought was like, you know, a, a little bit maybe the the home crowd got to the ref. Um Alfonso Davies takes it and scores it, which was nice. Um, there was also a nice goal from Vittoria and uh, Cavallini late. Alfonso Davies scored two on the night. It was, you know, it was a, it was a good game. Um, and Canada certainly looked, like, up for it and ready to, like, deliver to the fans that were able to make it to this one to just put on a performance. Um, so all things went well there. If you are, if you were under the opinion that that this was a an easy one, a minnow that losing, you know, uh, losing Iran, you know, knocked a game off the schedule that that would have been a real test of Canada. Um, well, you say you can't say Canada was not tested in Honduras. <laughs> it's true, yeah, um, and and it sort of sucks too because it feels like they're after all of the the drama and the the question marks it was nice to play the curacao game and just like get back to playing soccer and do what this whole thing was for which is get ready for the world cup um and we certainly got ready for it in good old concacaf fashion by playing (laughs) in somewhat adverse conditions in honduras shall we say um but it was also just not a great performance obviously a difficult pitch to perform on for both sides. Um, But really it was down to some really awful defensive marking that allowed Honduras the first goal that basically just undid all of Canada in about three passes. Um, And then a very sloppy sort of water goal uh, finds Ariaga to make it 2-0. And Canada did like get back into this one. Um, there was a very strange ball. Most of the balls in this game were strange because they had to float through about a foot of water to find anyone. Um, it, was, it was weird. It was it was wet and wild. It was a wet and wild match. It was um, sort of like half water polo, half soccer, really. Um, but there's a, a very strange ball from, I think, a Honduras player finds its way to a, like, surprised Kyle Laren who very quickly realizes that he's just intercepted a, a pass. Um, and he sees Jonathan David streaking onto it, who's able to score. And then it all sort of ends weirdly because Alistair Johnson gets sent off for a second yellow, both of which kind of seemed like questionable calls. Also, I feel like this is just a very CONCACAF way to prepare for the World Cup is by (laughs) getting a, like, pretty well-disciplined player sent off um, and losing in what is mostly a game played underwater it's how she goes sometimes. Uh, well, yeah, I don't think it's any problem for Canada. Um, I don't know that, as I think people noted at the time, 
I don't know that people gain from it at all. I don't think that it helps, but what can you say? No, I, I mean, the one thing for me is that as, as high on Canada as we all are and should be, clearly there's still real defensive blundering moments. And for me, it was some of the marking and, and positioning defensively that I was like, uh, yeah, we've seen that in the past before <laughs> hurt us. Um, and both times it was very quickly followed by a Honduras goal. So for me, that's just like a little asterisk beside this one is that in the group, when, when all the chips are down, Canada needs to be fully switched on defensively as well as offensively. We know our counterattack is there. We know the, the organization attacking wise is there and often it is defensively as well, but sometimes there's just, it's not really clear that the back line is communicating with each other and then good teams punish us. So little note beside that one, but I agree. It's not like, I don't think it's going to matter hugely in the grand scheme of things for us. The, um, the other big Canada news, um, of course, is that they announced the host cities for the 2026 FIFA world cup, men's world cup. Um, I do think that like, I was a little surprised that there was no game that we didn't like, like, I think the big information, because a lot of people, like, I think that it was fairly obvious that Toronto and Vancouver were going to be locked, but the real question is for how much. Um, I really did expect Edmonton to be on this as well. Um, it is an, a, an old stadium, but it's been, you know, pr- relatively good, you know, in a central location. So that is, uh, that's positive. Edmonton misses out. Um, Baltimore, D.C. miss out. Um, but there have been the, the the broadcast was relatively, you know, entertaining, kind of painful banter. Um, they had the way they set it up with um, Jonathan Osorio, Herving Lozano, and, and Christian Pulisic representing their their respective teams meant that they had to ask Osorio, "How do you feel about Vancouver being named a host city?" Which is <laughs> not really a not really a city I associated with him as quite as strongly, although he's you know he's played there you know it's. It's home soil as much as anything, but um, sure. I thought it was also uh, so Vancouver. Every city got kind of like a celebrity to 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 you know be like, yeah, hooray! And mm-hmm. Vancouver got Michael Bublé, um, very on point. I just want to say Miami got Gloria Estefan, and Toronto got Mayor John Tory. That's boring as fuck. I can't believe that's, that's I can't, such a Toronto move. <laughs> I can't believe that you you have one people being like, "Hey, we have I'm like, Gloria uh, Estefan." I would do any uh, like you, Gloria yeah, Estefan could get. I mean, me okay. Also, like that if if that's the bar is Gloria Estefan. Like, I mean, <laughs> even uttering John Tory's name in the same sentence as Gloria Estefan's name, I feel like is is diminishing <laughs> her her shine and her star. But it's such a Canadian that do we have a bureaucrat available? Oh my god. Who's the current treasurer? We need somebody in municipal politics, that's for sure. The minister of sports should come out here. Somebody who can speak to the people. Oh, my God. God. Um, But that'll be fun. Sorry for Edmonton. Um, The city's good. It it all really comes down to... It kind of is frustrating that, you know, that Edmonton was one of those cities that was in it, and they also got, like, some support. But I also... Oh, right. There was one thing I wanted to say this. I read this Sportsnet piece by John Molinaro that um that sort of quoted as one of the things that went wrong for Edmonton 
that they received funding from the federal government, but that funding was contingent on there being five games. Mm. Um, and it said that was a real no-no to dictate terms to FIFA. FIFA doesn't like that. And I agree with that, but also fuck FIFA. I don't think if, Uh, yeah, if you may, if you set the, I think it's totally right for an organization um, when you're talking about a a the largest sporting event, a absolutely an organization that absolutely has the money, you know, if you're talking yeah. about yeah, public yeah. funding for this kind of event, I think it is absolutely right for a city to make money demands, I or make demands for how that money is being used, or 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 to to negotiate. I think it's fine for the city to negotiate. If the city doesn't get what they want out of it, I think it's fine for the city to do, to leave. I think it was right when... Beast That's the from... other the other side of this is me being like, oh, God, what did my hometown sign away to get FIFA matches? <laughs> like, what, what ungodly thing have we agreed to that's going to envelop our city that isn't that we haven't seen in the fine print yet? It was right for Vancouver for BC to be out initially, and if they think that they're out, now that they have a majority, <laughs> or, or, you know, if they they feel like they can be in now, that's also fine. But like the if they feel like they've got a better deal now, that's good. I just I've always I always side with, um, you know, unless the non FIFA side. <laughs> yeah, I just think that I just think that public the use of public funds for this should be extremely scrutinized. And if Hell yes. if the if the the if the public group made a request and that insulted FIFA, um, and that is and that's why they got left off the World Cup. Good, great, good on them. And I don't yeah. I don't mean it sarcastically. No, no, I I think that like if I was an Edmonton taxpayer, I I would be like, okay, well that's a, a bummer. We didn't bag that, and also like. Um, it's not the relationship you're looking for. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, you know, he's not the one. Not the one. He's not the one. Others will come along. So in MLS, it kind of feels like right now, um, with some of these things, you, some of the big changes that have happened recently, um, and some of the changes to come, um, it really feels like this international break is going to be sort of like the chapter break on the first end, first half and second half of the season. Yeah, I, that's a, a good way of putting it. Um, it it feels like, especially there's been some some recent news and some big trades out and some big trades in. It it feels like yeah, kind of like a okay, <laughs> everybody back in their seats. Are we gonna let's do part two now of this season at MLS? And um, yeah, I thought we could talk through a couple of those news things, and then I have I have some questions, and of course there's been a few games as well. Well, I mean, there's games happening right now, too, as we speak. But, of course, one of the big news pieces out of MLS is that uh, Ronnie Delia is leaving New York City FC, um, which is, like, sad news, but also I feel like it's been sort of the possible news item hanging over uh, this season as well. Standard Liège. Apparently, uh, you know, New York City says that, that Delia had a uh, Delia who just won the league with New York City had a a release clause in his contract, and they met the release clause that allowed um, that allowed Liège and, and Delia to uh, to negotiate and and 
and that ended up happening. You know, it sounds like everybody involved is is trying to, you know, keep a good face on it, and, and I think that it'll be good. Almost as much of anything, it, like you said, it, it's it has it, not, not hung over the club for a little bit. You know, Dahlia has his roots in Europe, but I'm almost surprised that it's not another city football group. Uh, yeah, no, I, I thought that that was kind of the the more surprising thing about um, <laughs> the most surprising thing about this deal is that it's not a city group team. So we are getting another city group coach. We are getting uh, in the in the meantime, um, uh, what's the name of him? But he, I'm trying to Nick Cushing, who was the Manchester City women's coach of the WSL. Um, and then uh, joined as an assistant coach in 2020. Has been in the, the yeah. been around for a while. I think that is supposed to be a um, interim. I think so. I think yeah. that's an interim. I mean, like I, I think it kind of sucks, and of course, there's still the questions over uh, Tati if he will. I mean, it seems like again a kind of foregone conclusion that someone's going to meet the price for him. But it also feels like City's got a pretty good system figured out for recruitment of both coaches and players and that when somebody big leaves they're they've been fully capable of replacing with somebody else and i think that so far history would tell us they've been getting it more right as they've been going on um and more dialed in and unfortunately for mls one of the things that winning mls cup does for you is raises your profile significantly. And so it, it is going to be a launch pad for a lot more coaches. Um, the price of success. To, yeah, it's the price of success. And, and we're, MLS loves to tout itself as a selling league, and this is part of it. I And I think that New York has figured out a good system of bringing in both very high-caliber coaches that are looking to take their next step uh, in a way that's, I think, helping the club in the process like it's not just selling its best assets it's actually it's sort of like a positive feedback loop like it attracts better and better candidates um who are able to come in and put their own stamp on new york city and then those people go on to do other things and and again they've been bringing in good good people um I, I, and for me, I think it means that, you know, is New York City FC going to be in, you know, the, the top of the, the league again this season? Maybe not. Maybe they, they wobble a little bit. And maybe this isn't the year that they uh, go back to back and, and win MLS Cup again. And I think that's probably fine. <laughs> you know, like um, they don't necessarily have to. I, I think they will still try and I think they'll still be a good team. Um, and but they're doing all of this on a very solid foundation. So um, That's true. I, I expect, yeah, of course, New York city might wobble a little bit, but like they've got fewest goals against in, I think in MLS tied with Philadelphia union, they've got heaps of goals as well. <laughs> like they're doing all the things right. And it's just getting the exact right pieces to step in where they need to. Um, Manager wise, I felt that that, he really like struggled to find the right piece to that puzzle, um, and so that's a little bit of a of a pain for them. But um, in in that point that you're talking about in terms of foundation, I mean that that will hopefully be the the benefit to them of having somebody being elevated from inside the setup. 
And it looks good, I think, to potential coaching candidates to see, like, oh, well, look at where the the last two managers of this club have ended up. And, like, clearly this can be a stepping stone. Um, I, I think that's good for the team as well. You mentioned MLS being a selling league, so that's a great t- uh, opportunity to talk about the fact that Adam Buxa is going to uh, RC Lens in France. That's right. The New England lad is headed away. Well, I don't know if he's from New England, but he's playing in New England, and uh, he's from, it's it's he's another from New England Poland. Right. <laughs> 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 is is the last name Buxa <laughs> relatively native <laughs> to the New England? Area? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I forgot myself there for a moment. Uh, everybody knows what I meant. Uh, obviously a big loss for the revolution, but again, again, I feel like it's a club that they've got, you know, Carlos, Carlos Heel is playing well. Um, they've got great pieces. They've got a great coach. It'll definitely be like a knock to them. They'll have to figure something out again. Maybe their fortunes will drop slightly over the next few months, but, um, there is a transfer window coming up. We'll see, but I, it, it is a big loss, but again bringing in heaps of cash like this new england has has really seemed to have again sort of found uh, a good system and is raking in mega dollars for some great players um and the whole thing is contingent upon being able to bring up another player in the pl- previous player's place and i again i feel like they've established a pretty good track record on that but I'm a bit sorry to see Buxa leave the league. He's been such a, a joy yeah. to watch and obviously a huge contributor for New England. Um, so it's always a little bit bittersweet to me to be like, yeah, all right, on to the next big thing. But I'm like, yeah, but I also like, uh-huh. you know, actually sort of getting to know a player's profile a little bit and follow them in MLS. So. Bye, Buxa. Uh, you were around yeah. that long, you know, you come showing up in the, the, the start of the 2020 MLS season. Um, which has, of course, been a strange time for the league since then. But uh, but it's been great to have you in the league, and I think Busa will be one of those names when, when it pops up in Europe, I will go, oh, hey, it's that guy. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of names popping up in Europe, um, big news out of LAFC camp this week in a trade that, I gotta be honest, when I first heard the rumor of it, I laughed, and I was like, <laughs> okay, that's not gonna happen. Uh, but it has happened, and that is a uh, long time, possibly the best to play the position. Chiellini is coming in to LAFC. Words I did not think I would say. Ah, uh, well, I hope it. I hope it's for the best, man. Like Giorgio Chiellini, um, the absolutely has has been a mainstay for Italy, um, a mainstay, I believe, Juventus, right? Um. The yeah. I just worry this seems to be right up down right in the the category of um of sunset vacation style American moves that have that that players have wanted to do for a long time. I'm not saying he's I'm not saying LAFC can't use iconic defenders because they certainly can, but uh, but I think that it's that'll that'll just depend. We talked a little bit about um, <laughs> seeing you know. Pirlo and in, in, in NYCFC when he had his, you know, um, occasionally occasional spurts of effort. Um, it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see 
how this comes in. All right, all right, all right. Fair. Fair. I mean, I agree. All your points are valid. And also, I I think my mind is changing on this a little bit. Because, yes, all of that is true and that all of that could take place at, at a 37 and, like, I believe a mere, like, month or two away from turning 38. I, I think it's fair to, like, raise some eyebrows at the signing and being like, okay, like, what's what's the play here? I think that it's actually money well spent. I think that the player market is greatly overinflated. And so I think if you're going to pay top dollar for somebody, finding somebody who's looking for a good deal, but also like looking to have some fun and is probably going to, you know, maybe accept a more reasonable salary because as good as Chiellini is and as high caliber as he is, I don't think he's under any pretenses of like, he's not going to be making crazy, crazy money at LAFC, but he's probably going to make better money than he would in other, other leagues around the world. But I think what that brings in terms of um, not just like, obviously the shirts on backs and bums and seats kind of effect, he's a masterful defender and LAFC can only benefit from that. They have struggled defensively this season. So they I think they've sort of pitched it as like, yeah, this is a player you buy to get you into the playoffs. Does that mean he's going to play 90 minutes of every match they play? Of course not. But the influence and the leadership and the experience that he's bringing in, and I would hazard a guess that if, if Chiellini, and I have no idea if this is in the cards, but if he wants to go the route of co- coaching setting up at a team like LAFC in sort of a a player leadership role that maybe transitions to something off the field probably makes a lot of sense. You know, obviously there's the questions about the age and and like is this just a champagne signing? We'll see. As always, the proof is in the product that that we'll see on the field. I don't know. I think that this is one that might turn out to be pretty mutually beneficial. And normally, <laughs> I wouldn't be saying that about an almost 38-year-old player. Um, but, like, it's Chiellini, man. Like, he, he literally is one of the most insane defenders to ever defend anything. So if you're going to do a champagne signing for a player near retirement this one feels less egregious to me than other choices that have been made. You know, because you can sign Ibrahimovic and that's not going to win you MLS Cup. Signing Chiellini and fitting him into this system, like, that could actually get you to go the distance. That's a good point. And I, I, there have been, you know... And you don't need it to work forever. You just need it to work for one or two seasons, right? It's all, there's definitely a secret sauce to it. It's pure low. You know, the people weren't mad about Pirlo, but in in the other one is also, of course, Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney was yeah. way better than anyone expected. Well, not way better, but like way better of a fit. And I think that's that's actually the more important thing is is not like is this player a good signing or is this a, a, a retirement league? It's does the player fit the profile of what the team needs? And I think if you look at LAFC's needs and you look at Chiellini and what he can bring in, I go, I don't know. It seems like actually a pretty good fit the uh, more I think about it. 
it's maybe not the first one that would spring to my mind if you'd asked me a few months ago, but here um, we are. I was going to say the uh, the other kind of big news in this way um, are some of the ones that have already been announced. Um, you know, the we are now coming, we're coming hot on the time. Uh, Matt Turner is lead. We, we the announced Matt Turner transfer is gonna. He's got his send off game with New England on the weekend. Um, and then on July 9th that's right. Hector Herrera and Lorenzo Insigne make their uh, appearances for Houston Dynamo and Toronto FC, respectively. Um, that's right. So that'll be I. All of this, I think, is building to this idea. We're just going to have some. Some some turnover and just some just some interesting difference in in how teams' futures go. Uh, another big uh, another big transfer. It's been a um, there's been a lot of in the NWSL and in European women's club scene. There's been a lot of movement so far this summer. Um, I did check out as uh, as Leon won the the Champions League for. I think what now is the eighth time or the tenth time or whatever. Um, I got to see Kadisha Buchanan um, come off the bench uh, and win another trophy. She is now off to Chelsea. Interesting to me Ooh. is that Jordan Heidema, who uh, came on in that game, uh, came on for uh, PSG um, and has had some success at PSG, but I think like you know started that game on the bench. Um, is uh, is on her way to OL Reign because I kind of thought you know Leon I needed I need Leon to sign another Canadian because yeah Buchanan was my Buchanan was my my big Leon pick yeah right right, um, right. but in, but instead Heidema is going to Seattle uh to twenty twenty three with an option for twenty twenty four that is right that's great signing for them obviously and about as uh, close to hometown as she's gonna get so. Excellent deal. Um, excited to have those talents like back, at least in the same continent. You know, that makes sense. Um, um, so there's been MLS games, and we can talk about some of those. But I, I just, as a way of getting us back into things, just and these are rapid fire questions. This is not deep analysis. I just thought yes. I'd ask you a couple of questions just to bring us back. Um. Let's just say MLS Cup Final is happening tomorrow. Who's in it for this season? If you had to pick right now. Um, I am loading the table so I can look at it. Um, <laughs> I would have said... I'm going to... I'm going to just pull this off the top of my head, okay? Um, yeah, no, that's 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 why we do this. <laughs> I've looked at these. I've looked at these names. I've thought of what the games I've seen. I've thought of the news that we've talked about. Um, New York Red Bulls and Austin. Interesting. Okay, that would that would seem to mean Austin has a lot of momentum. I guess just in terms of the 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 vibe that's been going on there. The games have been good. It's not necessarily high in the standings, but you don't have to be high in the standings to make MLS Cup final. <laughs> That is um, true. LAFC could LAFC is doing well and could get better. So maybe I'm maybe I'm I'm wrong to not uh, to not predict that. No, um, no, no. But I would hope you know not 
not trying to to be mean to New York City, but I would hope to see maybe it would be, you know, interesting if they maybe took a little step back <laughs> after this coaching change. Yeah. Let some other people, you know, have contest, a kick at the can. Have a kick at the can. New York City has been looking, New York Rebels have been looking good. And that seems to be like, you know, a, a good, a good, uh, a good, is it, a good pick as any from the, the East to make it in terms of the, the, sure. the vibe. Who would be your two? Ooh, um, <laughs> ah, Seattle, Philadelphia Union. Ooh, that would be good. They'd be both good. I think the fun thing about both of these ones we talked about is that it should be fun to watch. Right. Like, there would be, the, the fan bases would be fun. Um, depending on where it's held, it's like, I mean, there's been MLS Cups in Seattle, but I think that the, both those matchups seem, um, seem fresh and fun to me. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Philadelphia just got, like, so hosed last season in the playoffs that that sort of became the talking point rather than how good they were um, and leading up to all of that. And I think seeing what they've picked up on this season, like, New York City has the same goals against um, and more goals for, but again, without Tati, that, that could even out a little bit more. That's been the one thing for Philadelphia is just the ruthlessness in front of goal and really being able to turn the screw on teams, but they're just so solid and so consistent. They've got the consistency of Jim Curtin. They've got good players coming through their ranks. It just feels to me, maybe it's a bit like, I feel like they deserve it, but um, those would be my two picks. What about a team from each conference that you feel is underperforming or could take everyone by storm and sort of surprise people with what they achieve? It doesn't necessarily have to be like you think they're going to go all the way, but just a team that you feel like is kind of underrated right now or maybe not quite performing to their full levels. Of course, I always laugh when the European players don't have that same impact, but I think that the appearance of Insigne should um, have in a lot of people's minds, especially the teams um, between them and the seventh spot in the East. Hearing the one-winged angel theme from Final Fantasy VII, you know, a, a, a big boss, a big boss is on his way. Yeah, and this is this is gonna be this is the gonna be a scary situation. Um, this I'm watch. I'm I have the table open and it is moving as games kick up. Oh, because okay, it's adding points. It's it's a live table, so it's adding points because it's like a theoretically like a nil-nil draw. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I would say Toronto, and I would also say um in the East, um, Nashville. Okay, All right. I feel yeah, those are good picks. I agree. Yeah, I feel what like Nashville. Na- Nashville's a really good pick because I, I definitely feel like they they have much further to go and are much better than results show right now. But um, I'm going to start in the East as well. Uh, I'm going to say Orlando. Even though they're doing well, and I think that they've... Most people seem to be pretty hip to the fact that like Orlando's pretty good now. They're sitting in fifth, and having seen some of their recent games, I think that there's more to this side. And, and although they may not have, like, the flashiest names that they've ever had, I think that's actually working really well for them now. And uh, just seeing them p- put on a bit more of a complete performance. So I'm going to say Orlando and in the West, 
I mean, Seattle to me is the obvious answer <laughs> just because they, they have so, they've had to climb from so far. I still feel like it's Houston. I, I've yet to really be proven right on this theory that Houston is actually much, much better than they've been in a really long time. Um, because results keep happening that just don't go their way or they just seem to not be able to put it all together. But I think that they could be a really devastating attacking team um, at points. So a bit of a question mark over them. But those are my picks, Orlando and Houston. Nice. Um, for games, we went to uh, Vancouver versus Real Salt Lake. That's right. Um, that was quite fun. Um, at that time, Salt Lake was like second in the conference. There was not really the sense that it was potentially going to go well. Um, I felt that the first half uh, had some had some good movement from Vancouver, um, and uh, and had that uh, if I recall had that uh, um, had that yep. goal. So everybody is everybody is feeling good. Um, the second half had a lot more pressure from RSL. Yeah, I was kind of surprised coming into this one as well that like RSL had been playing really well. And so in the back of my mind, it was like, well, it sucks that we're going to a game that I feel like it's going to be an uphill battle to win. Um, so it was great. It was a deep Nerwinski throw that led to the Veselinovic goal, I think in, in the first half, but then, yeah, it felt like RSL in the second half sort of switched on, began to cover a lot more ground. It just, there was no real urgency from them in the first half. They felt that it, really felt like they were just going to feel their way through it and see how they fared. And then I forgot who got the RSL goal in the end. The, um, it was Miram. So like, so this was, Oh, it was Justin Miram, so, right? So, so Cody Cropper makes this amazing outstretched hand save that like, I don't, if you varred it, if you brought out the hand rule and tried to figure out exactly whether or not the ball was over the line. Maybe you could still say that it kisses up against it, um, but uh, without without going over it all the way. But he still made the save, and then immediately uh, RSL make their way. Uh, yeah. Justin Miram peels it off Raposo and is able to score seconds later. Yep. Um, yeah, it's sort of like I feel like most goals against the Whitecaps, you can just feel them coming. <laughs> like it just. Something shifts on the pitch or like somebody, yeah, somebody gives it up or, or <laughs> gets bossed off the ball or it's an errant pass. And you're like, well, we're probably going to pay for that. Um, and that was all the invitation they needed. Now, from where we were sitting, this the final sort of play of the match, uh, right as things are looking like it's just going to be a draw. And at times it even looks like Vancouver's going to roll over and capitulate. There's this penalty call that at least I th if I'm remembering correctly in the moment on first blush. First, oh wait, there's a there's a there's a there's a there's a I think what I think of, of as an important prelude to this is that there's a lot of late pressure and, and the Caps are going in. It's been tough for them. It's not really feeling coordinated in any way. Uh, but there is that goal for to St. Ricketts. That's right. Um, that's right. That is disallowed due to offside. That's right. Let's never forget that all to St. Ricketts goals count, even if they're offside. Those are the rules. Um, this one was not allowed, but that did. So my lead into this, yes. to this, to this play by Luis Martins, is that like the Whitecaps are putting everything forward, but kind of clumsily. They're just like lumping. They're just sort of like 
throwing each throwing themselves at the RSL zone uh, pell mell. Yeah, that is fair to say. That's important context. So Luis Martins gets subbed on. He makes this run in, and to my eyes, at least from behind the play, I'm going, "Oh, he looks like he really went over easy on that." So I'm not expecting. I see the penalty shout, and I'm thinking. There's no way they're le- allowing that. It's going to go to VAR. They're going to pull it back. We can. This is why we can't have nice things. Do that whole thought spiral. Um, and it's allowed to stand. And it's a goal. And I feel great. And then I come home and watch the highlights. And I'm like, oh, no, that's a very bad challenge. That's a very clear penalty. So it's not always easier to tell in person. But Vancouver is able to come away with... Uh, a very important win. That's right. Um, then on the 11th, so the the, the following weekend, um, yeah, I was happy to see it. I was happy to see the win. Um, I was also just like, you know, I'll take it. Things have been things have been weird. I'm here on vacation. I'll take it. Yeah. Um. Following that, uh, you had. You had Charlotte versus New York. Charlotte at home. Um, they have had the coping. They have had the the coaching change. The coping change. Um, it's Christian Latanzio. Uh, Latanzio uh, jumps in as an interim coach um, after uh, I'm blanking right now on the name of the uh, the previous coach after being uh, after replacing Miguel Angel Ramirez, who is the one who notably said we're screwed. Yeah, yeah, that was a kind of surprising one, right? Um, It it also feels like not really much information has still come out of it. So all that we can really say is the coach is gone. um, And it sounds like, you know, maybe lost some of the locker room perhaps, but uh, was uninvited to the party. And a Charlotte that I feel like had been doing, like exceeding people's expectations, but maybe... The story there is really that the expectations had been set too low. Um, decide to part ways, and uh, things have not gone super great for them since. No, but they did get the win. No, um, you had Ben Bender scoring in the first half of a stoppage. I thought that was a particularly clever little first touch wobbles to get it to where he needed to be to strike it, and then at the end, Ruiz is able to peel back off behind the back line left. Derek Jones, who finds the empty net. It can happen to you. Penalty called for uh, New York during that that got called back. Um, Sporting Kansas City, New England. Um, it was a uh, Sporting Kansas City looked interesting throughout this whole time, but you know it's those it's the the goal from Bo. Yeah. The. Uh, I Andrew Farrell was given a yellow, but I kind of think it should have been a Sporting Kansas City foul, and that gets uh, that gets uh, <laughs> SKC on the board with Johnny Russell scoring the free kick, mm-hmm. and then eventually um, New England scores on a rebound uh, from Boateng. It is wondered whether or not it's going to be offside, but eventually it is given. Yeah, struggles continue for SKC. Um, yeah, it's just like an utterly depleted roster in so many ways. Um, 
despite finding some some good moments, New England certainly feels like a, the complete package right now. So unfortunate for them. The struggles continue. Seattle four nothing okay. Vancouver sigh. Uh, I got it. I was sitting down long enough to tweet. Um, big match. Let's go! Right before the penalty was called against Cody Cropper. Um, who was able to stay in the game. That's good. That would have been worse. That had to happen. Um, or four goals. I just died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it feels like, you know, I, I don't know. A lot is has to change before the white caps are going to beat Seattle <laughs> in Seattle again. Um, it, it just, yeah, I feel like insert every note we've had about Vancouver ever into this game. Um, I think, the only sort of different note I had is I, I listened to the some of the post game after this one and Sartini was just talking about like a lack of intensity and I was like, hmm, where have I heard those words before? Um, from dear departed Mark Dos Santos. Um any and it's not a wrong observation. Um it it just the our attack is so slow and predictable. The three at the back system is dogma, just it doesn't work. Um yeah, it it just it feels so inevitable when we face Seattle, and that just sucks as a fan to be like, well, I guess we'll go in and give it our best shot. Oh, okay, well, uh, we immediately concede a penalty and just then give up three more unanswered goals. Neato! Cool trip down the I-5. Well, there was a, uh, a nil-nil between um, Nashville and San Jose that I skipped because I forgot about it, and also because I almost, like, basically fell asleep through even the highlights. <laughs> not a great not a great advertisement. You won't be the new voice of uh, Apple MLS After Dark. <laughs> I no. fell asleep watching the highlights. Um, Charlotte um, did get that win big... over Red Bulls as well, so they got that sort of, like, uh, no-coach bump, new-coach, no-coach bump. Yeah. Not quite so much for for San Jose. The one thing I wanted to say, which which player um, did I want to shout out? There was two. Paul Marie had two amazing clearances for San Jose in this game. Nice. I love a good defender's clear. Um, you also have New England versus Orlando uh, to a one-one draw. Um, big saves on Bo and Pato. Carles Hill with an amazing strike uh, that sort of like yeah. he just pop he just fires it in one of those ones where it's like he's being dogged by the defender and he just turns and shoots and I, I think it is touching you know grazing the defender's foot that gives this some of its uh, fantastic you know um, rise and fall action yeah but you got to strike it first correctly. <laughs> Um, this, and despite the deflection, this one for me is like, I know we haven't done like a goal of the week or anything for a long time, but just such an insanely beautiful goal. Um, and, and this is kind of a game where I I talk about, uh, like Orlando having some oomph to them. Um, yellow card magnet, uh, Janssen gets another yellow in this game. Um, but was also able to get in a really solid, like striker strike to score. Um, it was a scrappy match. There were a lot of yellows in this game, and I didn't feel like the gameplay necessarily was all that scrappy. There was just these, like, heated moments. 
But I really liked seeing the side of Orlando digging in against a New England side that has been consistently very good, defensively very hard to break down. And to go in and get something out of this game, I, I thought was a, a really good signal of intent from, um, oh God, Orlando, sorry, <laughs> from Orlando. Well, um, those are those are some good matches to sort of set us up for the international break as we uh, as the the return the return with a full schedule this weekend, some of which is already. Um, underway, but uh, most of which we will chat with you again in our next episode. And until next time, where can we find you online? You can find me online on Twitter and Instagram at That's So MLS. Of course, you can find this podcast at That's So MLS.com on Apple Podcasts, (laughs) wherever you get your, (laughs) all your fine Apple branded. (laughs) We've been co-opted. We, well, er, technically we were early adopters, but uh, where can we find you online? You can find me online um, on Twitter at uh, Team Bates, www.team-bates.com. Um, I was also going to throw in a, a, a little a little uh, um, plug for Pride Razor. It is Pride Month um, in many in many places, um, and this is a soccer based uh, fundraiser that essentially uh, it's done by the supporters groups of, of various teams, um, both all uh, in the CPL. Toronto has one. Um, many of the American teams in MLS and, and out of MLS have uh, have their own supporters group taking, um, taking part in it. And generally, you're making a pledge uh, to donate a certain amount per goal. So I've uh, I've donated for the, the Halifax Pride Razor for the Privateer Supporters Group that benefits the Youth Project. Nice. Um, with uh, with uh, it, essentially every time the uh, the Halifax Wanderers score a goal, um, I will uh, pitch. I will chip in a little bit more to the Youth Project. Um, and right now, the, the Supporters Group, that particular Supporters Group, has pledged one hundred and eighty four dollars per goal. Um, but there are lots of different ones uh, that may be more applicable to um, a local uh, a local cause that you may be able to support. Awesome. Do it up, folks. And until next week, don't get sent off. Especially if the two yellow, your Alistair Johnson and the two yellow cards probably weren't that good. Anyways. Don't exist. Don't even look. <laughs> don't even look at that other player. Don't you dare go in for that tackle. What are you doing? <laughs>